Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. said last week that we would continue the story of forgiveness this week but concerning the content I thought it was better to rename it just from a continuation to call it testing that proves testimonies testing that proves testimonies that is our subject matter here tonight Genesis 42 and verse 7 the Bible states these words and Joseph saw his brethren and he knew them but made himself strange unto them spake roughly unto them and he said unto them whence come ye and they said from the land of Canaan to buy food Joseph knew his brethren but they knew not him and Joseph remembered the dreams which he dreamed of them and said unto them ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land ye are come and they said unto him nay my lord but to buy food are thy servants come we are all one man's sons we are true men Thy servants are no spies. He said unto them, Nay, but to see the nakedness of the land ye are come. And they said, Thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. And Joseph said unto them, That is it that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh shall not go forth hence except your youngest brother come hither send one of you let him fetch your brother he shall be kept in prison that your words may be proved whether there be any truth in you or else by the life of Pharaoh surely ye are spies and he put them all together into ward three days again tonight Joseph part four testing that proves testimonies testing that proves testimonies let's go to the Lord in prayer Father I thank you Jesus this evening God for your word I pray oh Lord tonight God let it bring enlightenment God to our hearts and our souls God our everyday living I pray oh God today Lord minister Jesus in this place as you see fit God the teaching of your word I pray oh Lord let it find a place of lodging in our hearts and minds God, make us better, God, than what we were, Lord Jesus, when we first entered this place. God, will not fail to thank you and praise you, God, for what you accomplished, Lord Jesus, here. Lord, in the lives, Lord God, within these walls and outside of these walls, Lord, by means of podcasts. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for it. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. Shake a hand if you want to before you're seated. Or if you'd rather not, you can just sit down. Amen. Here just this evening, a little bit similar to last week, going to try to pull for some of your interaction here and there. And so with that being said, based upon what we have just read, based upon what we have just read uh, tonight, just to kind of get the old juices flowing, all right, uh, this evening, why, why does Joseph, do you think, why do you think Joseph makes himself strange to his brothers? And we see him here speaking to them, Roughly, if indeed he has forgiven them. Why, why would he be speaking roughly to them if he has forgave them? Why would he be making himself strange to them if he, if he forgave them? Anybody for grabs? So they might not be able to recognize him? Any other reason why he might be doing this? I mean, he's forgiven them. I'm sorry, my eyes weren't cast up that far yet. judge their character, see if they changed that many years. Anybody else going for $500? I'm just joking. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> because he's going to, as we see in the story, in the verses I just read, he's going to even imprison them. He's going to put them in the ward. He's going to imprison them even for, for thir- three days. Not only that, uh, if you've read the story of Joseph, which I know several of you have, some of you have taught it because you're Sunday school teachers, 
he's also going to make some certain demands of his brothers, isn't he? He's going to make some certain demands of them. Uh, of course, along with all of that, we know also in everything that he asks of them or does to them, he also, though, he still yet spares their lives. He never takes their life. He gives them provision. They came for provision. He gives them provision. He even gives them the money back that should have paid for the provision, right? And so in all of these pictures of what he's requiring of them, we also have pictures of his grace that he gives them and is giving to them. And I think something important tonight, because we, we, it might be very easy to think, well, he, Joseph's supposed to have forgiven these guys. He, shouldn't be, he should not be making himself strange to them if he's truly forgiven them. Or he shouldn't be, he shouldn't be speaking, because the Bible says harshly, he spoke harshly to them. He shouldn't be speaking like that to them if indeed he has forgiven them. Something I think that is important tonight from the very onset that we understand, it's important not to confuse our forgiveness or people's forgiveness or even God's forgiveness of, for the past with tests that come to us in the future. All right? If that makes sense. Because just because we've been forgiven does not mean we will not be tested. For that matter, tested even perhaps in the future along the very same lines where we needed forgiveness before. Amen. Just because the Lord tests us in a certain, ele uh, a certain element where we failed before doesn't mean he didn't forgive us for what we did back then. Just a new test perhaps now. And so in this, we, we need not look at Joseph as being cruel. We need not look at him as being vindictive, if you will, with his conduct toward his brothers. For that matter, again, when we look what he's doing right now, when though he had the authority and the power, if he wanted to use it as such, to pay back every individual that ever mistreated him, pay back every individual that accused him or every butler that forgot him so to speak when he had the power and authority to do that but didn't this is really just a light thing making himself strange unto his brothers and for that matter his interaction with his brothers again wasn't a man that was abusing authority but I believe brother Andrew you hit perhaps a nail on the head and that is this was a man that was testing their character that was testing their character and all of our character needs tested from time to time amen all of our characters need tested from time to time. And so Joseph is in a position where he will give his brothers, because no, he's second man in command over all Egypt. And so he has the ability to endow his brothers with great possessions. He has the ability to endow his brothers with positions of honor. But Joseph has to make sure before he gives any possessions or any positions to his brothers, he's got to make sure that their character can handle it, right? That their character can handle it. This has nothing to do with him being unforgiving, but it has everything to do with a certain trait of Joseph that he's been known for since a very young man. It has everything to do with being wise. Amen. With being wise, all right? Uh, I know sometimes there can be a, a, a fine line between some of these things, but Joseph was being just that. He was being wise because he knows how important it is to know how a person will handle wealth and power before it's ever given to them because mm -hmm. not not all things are created equal not all people can handle wealth and power and so joseph doesn't just have himself also in this episode being who he is he don't just have himself to worry about if he gives wealth and power to his brothers and they mishandle it. He's not just worried about himself now because, see, he's in a position now. He has the whole land of Egypt over him. If he puts them in a position in Egypt and gives them power in Egypt and they abuse it, it's not just going to affect Joseph, right? It's going to affect all these other people that these, these men may be over in the nation of Egypt that's presently under him. So he has more than himself that he's thinking about. So he's going to put them through some tests, as it were, to prove their testimony. Amen. Prove their testimony. And many times, I think it's important to say, well, this is kind of odd. No, it's not really odd. We see this at different times in Scripture, that tests are given in order to validate people in the eyes of other people. 
to validate people in the eyes of other people. Now, I know some may have the, the concept and the idea, Brother McGee, if I got God's approval, then who cares if I have man's approval? But here's, here's, here's the reality. We live in a real world with people. So it's important. And it was important to Jesus to also not just have validation in the eyes of his father, but even validation in the eyes of the people. The Bible says in Luke 2 and verse 52, speaking of Jesus as a very young man that was growing and increasing in stature and wisdom, the Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. In other words, as Jesus grew, he didn't just increase in his favor with God and was like, that was good enough, who cares about everybody else? No, but he grew in favor with God and with man. Not only that, he underscored this belief of securing validation in the eyes of the people at a particular time in the New Testament whenever he had dealt with a man which was a leper. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 40, in verse number 40, these words, I don't know if I, did I give that one to you? I didn't, I'm sorry. Mark chapter number 40 and verse number 40. I'm turning there even now, so we're all right. You know what? You ain't going to find that because there isn't a Mark 40. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wrote it down wrong even in my own notes. That's one reason why you didn't get it probably. Amen. There is a leper in Mark who comes to the Lord, and he basically tells the Lord, he said, Lord, if you can, uh, make, make me clean because I will. Mark chapter number 1 and verse 40. The Bible says, And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed and he straightly charged him and forth went sent him away now look at verse 44 and saith unto him see thou see thou say nothing to any man but go thy way and shew thyself to the priest and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded for a testimony unto them okay so Jesus come Jesus has put his hand forth he has touched this leper and the Bible says immediately the leprosy departed from him insomuch that he was cleansed and so the leper has been cleansed by the Lord endorsed by the Lord said and done right no Jesus says go show yourself to the priest take with you the offering that's proper to take unto the priest for the cleansing of leprosy why for a testimony unto them them being who the priests, them being all of the people. The Message Bible says it like this. He says, you go show yourself to the priests. This will validate your healing to the people. He was healed the moment Jesus done it. He was immediately cleansed the moment it was done. But they knew in that day, you know, when supposed to touch a leper, be around a leper. He had been known in society as a leper. And Jesus says, go on and take the offering. He's already cleansed. He's clear. Clean bell of health. He says, you go do this. What's the purpose for you doing this for? You're cleansing? No, but for your validation, for the testimony in the eyes of all the people. Because the Lord knew it wasn't just good to have his, his thumbprint of okay, but since this was a societal thing that everybody was aware of, then society needed to know by the virtue of their, of their, their standards, amen, that this man was cleansed as well. And so that's very, very important. And, and, and this is important even with the brothers. Uh, who knows what conversations could have taken place. Uh, not for only that, Daddy Jacob needed even to know their trustworthiness. Uh, Pharaoh and all of Egypt, where they were going to move to, needed to know their trustworthiness. And so he is going to test their testimonies. Amen. They're going to test their testimonies. So even though forgiveness may be granted to us by God, or by someone else for that matter. Many times it is through testing that our testimony is made evident even to the general population. Those that are saved and unsaved. Many times your, testino- your testimony, you say in who you are, is verified by how you live your life. 
Because whenever these boys, and, and we'll get to this in a moment, in Genesis 42 and verse 11, whenever Joseph meets them, again, he's making himself strange to them. He's speaking harshly to them. He accuses them. He says, you all are spies. You come in to, you come in to search out the nakedness of the land. But their response to him was, we're not spies. Their words, their testimony was, we are true men. We are true men. And so Joseph says, all right, that's your testimony, but let's validate that with some testing. Let's validate that with some testing. Because if you're true men, then these little hoops we put you through and everything else, then you're going to come shining forth just as you say. You are going to be true men. Not just for me to see, but Israel and the Egypt Pharaoh, even our dad Jacob will know by the time we are done that you are definitely who you say you are wish we could still take everybody at their word the man's handshake was his bond so on and so forth but wisdom tells us that sometimes it requires some some testing and so upon this first meeting here we have Joseph he's making himself strange to his brethren he's accusing them of being spies and what's very important to pay attention to now here forward I'm kind of raising the flag that you pay attention pay close attention to the way that Joseph deals or handles his brothers and how that may relate to the way that Joseph had been handled by his brothers whenever they mistreated him. Because here he is calling them spies, accusing them of being spies. Was there ever a time in Joseph's past that his brothers may have considered Joseph a spy? Anybody? Is there any time in the past, sister? She was saying, mm -hmm. well, what is it? Right. Whenever his, whenever his dad had him go out and check upon the flocks and check upon the boys whenever they were gone. Any other times whenever he may have, when may have been seen as a spy uh, in, in the eyes of his brothers? Anybody else? No? That was good. I was also thinking of the other time whenever he was shepherding with them and he went back with an evil report, you know, on his dad reporting. And so there, there was a time whenever that perhaps his brothers thought that Joseph was a spy. And so now the tables are turned here just a little bit. Uh, Joseph is, is, is calling them spies. And whenever Joseph accuses them of being spies, what do they do? They deny it. We're not spies. That's not who we are. But that doesn't seem to have much of an impact upon Joseph. He goes on and still, still just goes ahead and accuses them of being spies time and time again. And he continues with his accusations. And he continues with the plan that he has toward them. Uh, was there ever a time in Joseph's past that his brothers didn't hear him or listen to what he had to say concerning his own integrity? Yeah. Someone said, uh-huh, absolutely. Brother Terry says so. There was, in particular, it's right there in Genesis 42. We'll get to it a little later that they recall this back to mind. Genesis 42 and verse 21. And they said one to another, the brothers, we are very guilty concerning our brother in that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us and we would not hear. We would not hear. Joseph was in a place, in a position that he was beseeching them over what they were scheming and planning to do but it was though he wasn't even talking as though they were ignoring him now they're saying we're not spies and Joseph's just trudging along you all a bunch of spies no we're not yes you are no we're not yes you are you know and he's going on with his plan he's going on with what he has intended uh, for them uh, not only that if you'll remember something else uh, as far as going on with their plan whenever then Joseph even arrives to them in Dothan whenever he arrives he has his code of many colors quote unquote, I do that on purpose because of the long sleeve tunic okay code of many colors uh, that's upon him very promptly very promptly the Bible tells us 
that they are stripping him of that coat and they're casting him into a pit. So they're not, they're not pausing. They're not giving consideration to anything that this guy has to say. It's just, as he's coming, behold, the dreamer cometh. Let's make a plan. When he gets here, execute the plan. You know, that's so not like giving this poor guy the time of day to change minds or hearts. And so now there's no changing of minds or hearts, it seems, to Joseph. He is setting up a scenario for them that will hopefully start to resonate with them Hey, what's going on right here? This seems real similar to what we did to Joseph. As a matter of fact, that actually happens, or verse, verse number 21 of Genesis 42 would have never came about, where they said, hey, did, 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 did he not beseech us and we wouldn't hear him? See, all of this, was they're starting to see their own wrongs through what is being done into them now. That's the way sometimes God tests us. We'll look at this in a moment that he'll take something very similar that we were the perpetrator in and make us then the victim of later just to see if we could recognize ourselves when we were the perpetrator amen so joseph joseph's going to prove he's going to prove it states it in the bible he's going to prove whether or not that these guys are spies he's going to try to do this by a few different ways whenever you come to me again whenever you come to me again They've had this conversation. He knows that they have a younger brother. He says, whenever you come to me again, you bring that youngest brother with you whenever you come. And the Bible says he takes them all. He puts them in prison for three days. Now, how do you think that that time in prison might relate to the boys back something that they did to Joseph? Joseph puts them in prison. What did the boys do to Joseph? Yeah. Put him in a put him in a pit, didn't he? Put him in a pit. So so Joseph Joseph was put in a pit by his brothers, and now the brothers are put in a prison by Joseph. Boy, this is looking. This should start ringing the bell, you know, for the boys. Uh, not only that, has anybody has anybody picked up on other ways that this first meeting with the brothers, Joseph with the brothers, anybody picked up on any other ways how this kind of relates to whenever then Joseph met with his brothers years ago and was taken advantage of and mistreated. Is there, is there anything else? Maybe not. It's not something that's real evident, really. No? Dreams? No, not in this scenario. Brother Terry? Yep. Right. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Another way that this could see that maybe they're seeing themselves in all of this is if you'll remember, whenever Joseph's brothers, the first time when he's coming, the first the first choice is this, we're gonna slay him, right? We're gonna put him in the pit right and then of course Reuben speaks up no let's not do that but then while he's there in the pit a little longer Judah says and this is when Joseph's present so he he learns he knows that they were going to slay him he Judah says well let's not slay him let's sell him instead there'd be no profit and shed blood so they had one intention slaying and it ended up being selling well now that the tables are turned and the brothers are in prison at first, we read it tonight in our scripture text. At first, Joseph was like, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep nine of you all and send one of you back to your dad's house. And then you can bring your brother at an appointed time. But when it was all said and done, he changed the terms. He said, No, I'll keep one of you and I'll send nine of you back. And so, see, there's a change in the terms. There's a change of terms from being slain to be, being so. Now there's a change of terms. Instead of keeping, instead of keeping nine, I'm just going to keep one. And so, here we go again. Uh, they should really, really be picking up on something uh, by now. Amen. But all of this treatment that Joseph was doing had a purpose. He wanted to verify their testimony of being true men. Amen. Their words of having one another brother uh, would be proven of, of having another brother because they said we had another brother uh, our youngest those words would be proven uh, 
if they would bring that brother the next time they come. Joseph already knew as Joseph that they had a brother, but he's standing there, you know, being strange to them as some ruler of Egypt that has not that knowledge. He would prove their words that they were indeed bring that other brother. Amen. And again, what he's hoping will do, this is going to bring to mind the way that they treated me. Because these things linked together hopefully would bring an awareness. And it did. They said, we are guilty. Right? They said, we are guilty. And a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, uh, along with guilt comes repentance. Because when you get the awareness, uh, let's change things up a little bit. You will not repent of what you don't acknowledge. You won't repent of what you don't acknowledge. And so we see... We see even in Scripture, this happens, folks, more than once in Scripture, where God uses a parable or a story, some mirrored image of what somebody just went through and being at fault to try then bring them to a place of repentance. Whenever we read in 2 Samuel 12 in the life of David, he has just committed adultery with Bathsheba. What happens when Nathan the prophet shows up? He starts to tell a story of a man that had a little ewe lamb that he loved and adored and someone took that ewe lamb from him what's he doing setting up a scenario that's mirroring what david had just done taking the wife of another man and whenever he comes to the end of his story david is ready to bring judgment down upon the man that took that ewe lamb he's going to restore fourfold and all this stuff and it's at that moment that nathan takes advantage of it he doesn't he he's been mirroring the story and he says thou art the man light bulb you hear me light bulb for david it worked light bulb the bible says that while david was listening to the story he was getting angry toward the man that took the little ewe lamb he was getting angry toward him but whenever he, it comes full circle and he understands i'm being angry at what i was who i was See, those boys could start getting upset with Joseph, but whenever they realized that's the same role they played so many years removed, oh, there's a little bit of humility that comes with that. You, know, you can bring up your pants up to your, your armpits, but whenever you realize you played that same role, then you just kind of tuck them back down at the waist where they need to be. Amen. He says, he says, you are the man. And notice what, notice, notice what David does. David acknowledges it. He says in 2 Samuel 12, he says, I have sinned. He acknowledges it. Just like Joseph's brothers say, you know what? We are guilty. They acknowledge it. Amen. As a matter of fact, if we read it, and here, here, this is good, folks. This is good. You, you might not have a prophet showing up at your doorstep telling you a parable that somehow mirrors something going on in your life where you've been wrong in order to show you that you were wrong. But if you open his word, Hmm. If we will open his word and read it, God has designed his word to be a mirror mm -hmm. of our lives. Circumstances, situations throughout this book are so varying that many times you can find something that very closely mirrors your own life. He wants, to, he wants us to see our story in his story. Amen. He wants us to see our story and his story. And most importantly, respond appropriately. Amen. He brings an awareness through his word. Through his word. So that it will prompt repentance. A real good reason why we should read his word. So that we can find those places where it mirrors our lives, where we've done incorrect and hopefully prompt repentance in our life. Bible says in James 1 23 for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty his word and continue therein and he being not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. What is James trying to tell us? The word of God is a mirror. And if we will read it, if we will ingest it, we will find ourselves in there somewhere. And hopefully it will prompt times of repentance so that we will be right with God. There's a few other items of consideration where Joseph may have been proving 
the brothers. Joseph, of course, he would keep the one and send the nine home. He kept Simeon, according to the word of the Lord. He bound Simeon up and sent the rest of them home with provision for their families. And here I believe that maybe Joseph may have had passing through his mind. Will they ever come back for Simeon? Hmm? I got one. Will they come back for him? Because I was just one. Will they ever come back for Simeon? For that matter, he says, after they did what they did to me, no one ever came looking for me. So will they ever come back for Simeon? And Joseph may even thought that they weren't. Because listen, may even thought that they weren't going to come back for Simeon because according to Judah, that's the brother Judah, they did linger before they went back on their second trip, according to him. The Bible says in Genesis 43 and verse 10, he's speaking to his father and his brothers. He said, for except we had lingered, surely now we had returned the second time. He said, we kinda, we, we've lingered here a little bit. If we hadn't lingered, we'd already probably been back from our second trip. So there's been some lingering, all right? Joseph knows how much food he sent them with and probably, you know, how long it'll take to consume that, you know? Think, I wonder if these guys are coming back because it's been longer than what I anticipated that it would be. He could have been having doubt, doubts about maybe these guys are just the same as they did. But there's another thing also. Another thing is this. Whenever he put the grain in their sacks, what else did he put in the sacks? Money. The money that they brought to purchase the grain, right? He put the money back in the sacks of their mouth. And remember, <laughs> Judah's idea in the final consensus of the brethren concerning Joseph, let's read it, Genesis 37 and verse 26, whenever they're selling Joseph, and Judah said unto his brethren, what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? So we're looking for profit here. Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hands be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And look what the Bible says, and his brethren were content. So it seemed like everybody were in on this deal of making a little bit of money off of old Joe. <laughs> off of old Joe. 20 pieces of silver. Just the amount that you would even get for a handicapped slave, although Joseph wasn't handicapped. But here's Judah. Judah, he's feeling a little calloused. He's feeling unfeeling, uncaring. He didn't feel no moral obligation to spare his brother whatsoever. He was only thinking about money that he could make on Joseph. Now think, now think. So they got money in their sacks. They're going home with. How was it, though, that the brothers reacted whenever they found the money that was restored in their sacks' mouth the first time? Anybody? Scared? That's correct. Any other feelings? The Bible says that their heart failed them. They were afraid. They did. Here's what it does here's what it does not say they did not say good for us we deserve this money for the way we were treated back there no no they were concerned over this money they were concerned over this really a gain because they had provision and the money that they left home with they're thinking man this guy already thinks we're spies <laughs> he's for sure now gonna think we're thieves you know, want to add insult to injury, you're not going to think we're spies, you're going to think that we're, that we're thieves here. And so so their, their response isn't, well, good for us. We just made a profit. Not now. No, no, no. They are afraid. As a matter of fact, upon their second trip, upon their second trip, what do they do? What? They take double. They take double. They take money for the first load and they bring in money for the second load. Because why? The Bible says, in case it was an oversight. Now, you want to talk about, this is some boys here now in a society where, you know, <laughs> what you lost and I find, who cares about you, you know, right? Huh? You're lost my game, right? Yeah, finders, keepers, losers, weepers, all the other little things we throw in there <laughs> in a day like that. But they said, no, we're going to, we're going to take double the money just in case it was oversight. Now, folks, that's a, that's a, the old brothers would have said, forget it. Oh, 
old brother just said, forget it. For that matter, I think that shows even us on a very practical means, on a very practical level, shows us how we should contend whenever we come upon money or we've been paid back money in addition to what we should have been paid back. It's not your lucky day. It's your chance to show your character. I'm telling you right, me and my wife have went through more trouble in trying to give money back to stores than what it would have been just to have kept it. They've got aggravated at us because we're trying to give them $10 back. But we went to the end of the world to get it back in their pockets. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. That's right. It's the right thing to do. Could have been some type of oversight. But they're not worried about profit here. They're not worried about gain here. What are they, what are they want? They're wanting to be known as honest, true men. It matters to them at this stage. It matters to them how they're going to be viewed by the second in command of Egypt. Huh? When they return. Matter of fact, they even bring some extra gifts, the scripture says, of their, the best fruits of their land. Why? Because it matters to them how they're going to be viewed by the second man in command over Egypt. As a matter of fact, the first thing that comes out their mouth upon their return trip was about the money that was restored to them last time. Because they learned that on the second trip when they come back, servant has come and said, you've, you've, you've been beckoned to come to Joseph's house. Sun beads of sweat to warm them on their forehead. We have a personal execution here you know, behind closed doors. And so the first thing out of their mouth is this. Hey, the last time we were here, we got home or on our journey, there was the grain in there and also the money, but we have brought that, you know, just... just <laughs> before it's off with our head we just want to let you know we're aware of it and we're here to make it right you know amen and so they were they, they were invited to the official's house but they wanted to be upfront about what happened they didn't want any reason for distrust hmm? didn't want any reason for distrust and here's the thing looking at these things how these stories kind of mirrored each other it's one thing to repent during tough times. Because, <laughs> you know, sometimes when things get, get tough, people are really ready to make repentance with God and talk to God. And I'm sorry, God, and if you get me through this, we make these ultimatums. I'll serve you all the rest of my days. I'll never miss an ever Wednesday, Sunday, or Sunday. We go through it. It's really, it's one thing to repent whenever you're going through tough, tough times. But it's a whole nother thing to remain true to that repentance whenever good times arrive. Because we're about ready to see a flip of the switch because the second trip back to Egypt in the beginning is quite different from the first trip. The harshness don't seem to be there. He's now letting them come into his house and eat. Huh? Yeah, this seems pretty good. We're hobnobbing with, you know, the second command of Egypt. You know, good times have arrived. They're, they're treated wonderfully. They're invited to a meal. They're given water, the Bible says, for their feet so that they can wash their feet. Their animals are given food, provender. That's the word for food. For their animals, they're given the animals for food. And so here comes the test. You repented during the tough times, but you, will you remain true to that during the good times? Will you keep, here it goes, you ready? Will you keep this good attitude, this right attitude thing going when the only, according to their understanding and estimation, when the only living son of your beloved, of the beloved Rachel, whenever he is favored right before your eyes? Because see, I, Joseph was that beloved son at one time and was favored right before your eyes. And I got a certain treatment what will happen if I favor Benjamin right before your eyes? Will you react the same that you did when I was favored? The Bible says in Genesis 43 and verse 34, they're all sitting at the table. Joseph sits at a table. Uh, then the brothers sat at another table. It's an Egyptian-Israelite thing. They didn't really do a lot of intermixing. They were abomination. Uh, the, the Israelites were abomination to the Egyptians because the Egyptians were cattlemen and the 
the, the, the Israelites were shepherds. And they couldn't stand them because sheep destroy ground. They don't just eat grass, they eat roots. They destroy ground. Cattle just graze the tops. Don't get to the roots. So they're an abomination. They don't like each other. And so he sent them though over food to his brother's table. And the Bible says, and he took and sent messes. Now that's food. I know. I've ate a few things that's been a mess, but it's not because of my wife either. <laughs> but anyway, he took and sent messes unto them from before him. But Benjamin's mess was five times so much as any of theirs. And they drank and were married with him. So here we go. And given you a portion, go give you a portion, go give you a portion, go give you five portions. Mm -hmm. How's that make you feel? When your couple have one portion, don't lie to me. No, you're not. You're feeling slighted. You're feeling like, who is she better than I am? Huh? Jealous. Envious. Right? Joseph's doing this, though. He was the one that was getting the, the coat, staying with daddy, not having to go to the field. Huh? All this. And the boy said they hated him. <laughs> they envied him. They attempted, they thought about murdering him. So they sold him to slavery. Now Benjamin sat in there. Let's pile him up with some favor and see how they react to somebody among them that they would consider their equal being favored. And the Bible says, what does it say? That last little phrase. Genesis 40, what? Yeah, they drank and were merry with him. Wow. That's quite a difference. Quite a difference than what it was before. Before it would have been hate. Before it would have been jealousy. But they drank with him and was merry with him. And so this must have spoke volumes. This must spoke volumes to Joseph. And matter of fact, it did in so much that after Joseph had finally revealed himself to all of his brothers and he's on the verge of sending them home to go get daddy, the Bible says that Joseph laden Benjamin with 300 pieces of silver, right? And five changes of raiment. Why? Because he knew he probably could with no fallout because of the way they responded at the table. But perhaps the final test is maybe one of the most revealing of them all. Test to their testimonies of being true men. Joseph is going to send them away now with their sacks and with double money in their sacks mouth and he's taken his own silver cup and had it planted in Benjamin's sack, the Bible says. He lets them get so far ahead and then he sends his servants after them to catch up with them, overtake them and say someone has stolen the master's silver cup for divining. And so as he gets them, as the servants get there and they begin to look through all of the stuff, let's read a couple verses of scripture. Genesis 44 and verse number 9. I might not have that one here. I did. Well, glory, hallelujah. And it's in the right chapter. Genesis 44 and verse number 9. So they've come, the accusation being made, there's a cup here. Here's what the brothers are saying in verse number 9 to the servants. With whomsoever of thy servants it be found, wherever the cup is found among us, both let him die and we also will be my Lord's bondmen. That's pretty high in it. The boys, why do you think they're saying that? You know, whoever it's found with, they can die and then we'll be serving. Because they feel pretty, yeah, they feel pretty legit, don't they? They feel pretty legit. So they're saying, you kill the one that it's found with, and whoa, I'll be your slaves. You know, that's how you, you know, it's kind of like us saying, well, I'll swear on the Bible. <laughs> that's, what, that's what their statement here is. You, you kill the one that has it, and all the, all the rest will be bondmen. All right? That, that's what we'll do. And they, they advise this. This is their advisement because... They are in disbelief that any of them would do such a thing, which is good. They don't, they don't have no ill thought about one brother or the other. They're like, we're all pretty clean-handed guys here, you know. That's good. But then we get to verse, verse number 10, and he said, this is the servant of Joseph, and he said, now also let it be according to your words. Look how he switches this up. He with whom it is found shall be my servant. 
and ye shall be blameless. Here's what he says. You all said the one whose foundation died and then all the rest of the servants. He said, I say, the one with whom it is found will be my servant, and then you all are blameless. You all are free to go. What's he doing? He's setting up a stage here. How loyal are these guys going to be to one another? How loyal? Or will they be willing for one to take the fall for all? Are they willing to walk away blameless as one is accused? Setting the stage up here. Amen. So they're advising. If the cup's found, that person's a slave. The rest of them is to be blameless. And the Bible says, I've got to go and read the verses of Scripture here. Verse number 11. Then they speedily took down every man his sack to the ground and opened every man his sack. And he searched and he began at the eldest and left at the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. And they rent their clothes and laid it every man his ass and returned to the city. So when the cup was found in Benjamin's sack, how did the brothers respond? Huh? We're all going back. They rent their clothes. They all returned to Egypt. The guy already told them, I just need the one where the, where the cup's found. He's the slave, you all blameless. What's that mean? You're going home to your daddy. But they didn't. It was found in Benjamin's sack. They're renting their clothes. They're going back to Egypt as well as Benjamin's going back to Egypt. He's not going to Egypt by himself. They all go back when they could have went home. Why? Because they cared too much for Benjamin? Yes. Also, they cared too much for Daddy. Because before he ever, he, he was reluctant about letting Benjamin go anyway. And they knew that if anything happened to Benjamin, it's going to bring down dad's gray hairs. You know what? They didn't think much about that, though, whenever they did what they did to Joseph, did they? No. But they are thinking about it now that this is about ready to befall Benjamin. They're thinking about Benjamin, and they're thinking about how this is going to affect dad. Hmm? How this is going to impact their father. So they're all going back. Here we go. Man, this is looking pretty good. I mean, it, it's bad, but it's looking good. And the Bible says when they get there, we already know the scenario of what's to happen, what's going to happen, what's supposed to happen. As a matter of fact, if you look at verse 17, I don't have this up there, guys. But the Bible says, and he said, God forbid that I should do so, but the man whose hand the cup is found, he shall be my servant. As for you, get you up in peace unto your father. That's Jacob. He just reiterates everything. Give me this boy slave. You guys get back home to your dad. He's testing it. He's really putting his thumb and his foot down on it. He's testing it. But the Bible says that Judah cries out. Judah pleads. Because before they ever left, first Reuben says, I'll be surety for him. Jacob wasn't too firm, wasn't too settled with that. But Judah said, finally, I'll be surety for him. If anything happens to Benjamin, you can have my life, you can have my children's life. I'll be surety for him. And, and Jacob was satisfied with that, so that's the reason why he sent him. So Judah, he's pleading right now in front of Joseph, who he don't know is his brother, just sees him as second command. And he says, listen, my Lord, Benjamin is the only son left of his mother. Because he don't realize Joseph's alive. He's the only son left of his mother, our beloved Rachel, the one that my daddy loved and adored. And not only that, my dad really loves Benjamin as a result of that. He really, really loves. You, you, you understand what this is? This is, a, this is a brother here saying how much his dad loves his brother. He really, really loves, he really, really loves Benjamin. He goes on in verse 31 and tells him, and our father Basically says, our father will die if Benjamin isn't back home with us whenever we go. And then, verse 32, he tells him, and before we left the house, I vowed that I would be surety for my brother Benjamin. Now look at verse 33, and I read it, Genesis 44 and verse 33. Now therefore, Judah says, I pray thee, let thy servant, speaking of himself, abide. Instead of the lad, a bondman to my Lord. And let the lad go up with his brethren. What just happened? Benjamin was supposed to stay as a slave. But Jacob says, 
He's the he, he is the son, the last son of the beloved Rachel. My father loves him and bring down his gray hairs if this happens. Not only that, I vowed to be a surety for him. And so here's what, I, here's what I postulate for you, Joseph. Instead of you taking Benjamin, take me. If you got to have somebody to stay, if you got to have somebody to be a slave, then take me. Now, why is that so profound? Because 22 years earlier, 22 years earlier, it's Judah standing at the edge of a pit saying, let's sell Joseph. Let's sell Joseph. What profit would it be if we slayed him? Let's sell Joseph into slavery of all things. Let's sell him into slavery. But today, he's willing to become the slave for the purpose of safeguarding and protecting Benjamin. He's willing to become a slave so his brother doesn't have to. And so where Joseph once led in the selling of a brother, now he's leading in the saving of a brother. Amen. He's leading the saving of a brother. Where jo Judah once stood at the edge of a pit looking down at Joseph, now he's with bowed head looking up to the throne of Joseph. Amen. I believe it's at that point, Sister Margaret, all bit, all bit of little fogginess of, mm, I don't know, it's just kind of went whoop, out of Joseph's mind. They went through all these tests. I think without a doubt he knew in this moment these have become true men. They have proven their testimony to me. And it's at that point the Bible says that Joseph doesn't refrain any longer, but he makes himself known unto his brothers and reveals himself to his brothers because all of these tests have proven their testimony that they are true men not just true men when they were treated quote unquote harshly but true even when one among them was being favored more than the other and so in doing so their lives have been proven before Joseph their lives have been proven before each other as brothers their lives have been proven even to their father Jacob their lives have been proven to all the servants that Joseph had that was doing some of the come and going and interacting. Even possibly their lives were proven in the eyes of Pharaoh. And so now at this juncture, Joseph believes they can handle what he wants to give them. He wanted to give it all the way back. He just didn't know if they could handle it at that moment. And it was the test to prove whether or not they could handle what he decide, desired to bestow upon them. I'm telling you, our, Joseph and Jesus are just like, they almost mirror images of each other in many respects. There's a lot of times the Lord puts us through tests to see if we can handle what he wants to give us. If we're true men, if we're true women. Amen, if you'll stand with me here this evening. It's the test, the test of their testimonies. Amen. Test of their testimonies. Let's bow our heads in prayer here this evening. Father, I come to you tonight. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's F-A-C-M-C. Thank you and have a blessed day.